Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the wrap up. Another trade deadline special for you. One of at least three because we'll have another one. Uh, in case you're new to this, we already had a big Raptors trade deadline special that we posted on the Raptors Republic YouTube channel a few days ago. We're going to go live on Thursday at the actual trade deadline at 2 p.m. to kind of react to all the live trades that are happening. But right now I have Aiden Moss and Kyle Brickman with me, and we are going to just kind of react to some of the early trades that have happened in the NBA today and yesterday because there have been some blockbusters and it's been a really fun deadline so far. And we want to talk about, first of all, just those trades, what we think of them. And then second of all, how do they influence what the Raptors do at the deadline? Because several teams that have been dealing uh, were potential suitors for the Raptors. So certain guys have been taken off the table. Certain guys have maybe been put on the table with things like the Bradley Beal injury, hurting the, the wizard season. So first of all, uh, Kyle, I'll go to you because Aiden's drinking. How, how's your day been, man? How, how you guys it's doing? Good. It's good. I'm, I'm curious to see how many people hop on here. With like, it's a good test of our of our influence because it was like what ten minutes of warning before we even decided to do this. So, like, I, I think if you're in the live comments, like it's it's all it's all you today, guys. Like your your comment is guaranteed to be read today. <laughs> We're gonna figure out what people are doing at Tuesday at five p.m. once and for all. This Aiden. is like an, an employment check for Raptors fans. Like, see who's unemployed and who is. Yeah. Aiden, you enjoy your orange? Loved my orange. Had a uh, tomato and mayo sandwich. I'm good to go. Oh, well, sorry. We have to talk about that. That's, that's it? That's all that's in the sandwich? Tomato, onion, lettuce, mayo. Oh, okay. Thank you. Boom. That's a lot better. That is a lot better. Yeah. Nice and fresh. Okay. So we're going to start off talking about, before we get into some of the trades that already happened, we're going to start off talking about some of the latest rumors about the Raptors heading into this trade deadline, just to make sure that everyone is caught up. And so this is Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. And he talks about the Raptors twice in this uh, kind of roundup. And so one of the things he says is that the Raptors are one of the team that has been mentioned as Turner suitors. Uh, the Pacers are demanding multiple first round picks. And that has been the case with Turner. Obviously, we're going to get to the DeMontis Sabonis trade. So the Turner thing seems less and less likely. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have thoughts on Turner or if you want to just wait. Maybe we should just wait. Let's talk about the other part of this Uh Raptors targets here. So again, he says Miles Turner, uh, Daniel Tice, he mentions, Jakob Pertle, he mentions. But the other thing he mentioned, and I'm not even sure if I have the right piece up, is uh, no, I don't think I do have the right piece up, is Danilo Gallinari uh, from the Hawks. And I can try to find that piece. But 
Basically, the framework would be Goran Dragic's contract for Danilo Gallinari's contract, which is this year it's about similar money, $18 million, and then next year it's a partially guaranteed contract. So you, you assume that the Raptors wouldn't have to give up a lot besides Dragic for Gallinari, who is obviously a good three-point shooter, bad defender, another 6'9 guy to throw into this mix. Aiden, what do you think about Gallinari's fit on the Raptors? It makes no sense to me from every perspective. Like, <laughs> one, he is 6'9", but he doesn't fit any other part of the profile that the Raptors accumulate when it comes to 6'9", guys. Two, why is Atlanta taking Goran Dragic? Is he really that much of an upgrade over Wright? Because he certainly isn't defensively. And I think at least with Wright and Young, Wright can make up for Young's like really poor defense. I don't think either want to help each other out because they're both competing to get into those, you know, the, that bottom tier. Well, right now it could be upper tier for us, but they're competing. So none of this really makes sense to me. I don't think he actually helps the Raptors all that much unless you want to run a second unit through him, which has kind of been why I've talked about Nurkic. If you're going to go for Nurkic is to, to run a separate style of offense through a certain guy who is good in certain um, situations but like I just I in any in any scenario I would not want Gallo on our team if if Atlanta is trying to offload him that should be an indicator enough that we actually don't need him or want him yeah I, to me I don't know if I'm all the way there I'm fine with this as like a it's 259 on Thursday and there are no other Dragic suitors and the only other option is buying him out I'm 100% on board with this, but I guess I'm with you in that, like, this is sort of the last-ditch scenario, ideally, for the Raptors. And, um, I, like, I get that the fit isn't perfect. I get that he isn't, like, he's not only is he not a switchable defender, like, you got to be able to guard at least one position, which he can't. He can't guard his own position. He's too, he's too slight to guard centers, and he's way too slow-footed to guard wings. So, like... He's kind of in no man's land there. I get it. But he's a he's a knockdown shooter, has been for like a proven history of being a knockdown shooter. He's like what he's in the been the league for I guess like 12 seasons, something like that, quite a while. Been a knockdown shooter every year. At the end of the day, like these are the type of guys you need to fill out the end of a bench. I'm not saying this is like a rotation piece ideally, but as a as a as a guy who's gonna be the eighth man, ninth man, I'm on board. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think, well, I'm with both of you. I think if this is the worst case scenario of what you can get for Dragic, then I would do it. And the reason is, here's his contract. So he's making $21 million next year. But it puts the Raptors in a good position to do the same thing next year with another expiring contract. And maybe it goes better than the Dragic situation went. And he actually has some value as an expiring. And if he doesn't, then he's just another contract to trade with a first-round pick. Try this all again next, you know, off. Uh, deadline because you need those contracts to grease the wheels as Bobby Webster said today um, so so there's some value there but yeah like he would provide some depth off the bench but I'm not sure he plays over Chris Boucher the way Chris Boucher is playing right now I'm not sure he plays over Precious Achua and so I don't really see where all the minutes are coming from him like the shooting would definitely be helpful but I don't think the fit is uh, very perfect at all and 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if that's the best thing or the only thing you can get for Drogic and you don't have to give up other assets, then fine. But it's not an exciting thing. I definitely did. Sorry, one one thing is I definitely didn't consider this in like what what you've said or or what James is saying about like the strategic side of this contractually. But I'm just looking at this as like I'm assuming going into the trade deadline, we're trying to do to do the best we can to make this roster playoff deep and then from that perspective it doesn't make sense to me yeah i i'm i do like everything else aside contract stuff aside just purely basketball wise i'm down to see gallo over like banton in the rotation though like guys like yeah. that it's not yeah. a chris boucher thing but it's that's like, not playoffs prefer, basketball but yeah yeah but i prefer gallo but it i mean Yes and no. Even if it's not playoff basketball, like still the next two months of basketball, if Gallo means that Pascal is playing like 36 minutes tonight instead of 40, that's a huge, like huge bonus to the Raptors. So I don't know. Can yeah, Gallo be your five? Sorry. That's Probably. what I No, I was actually, I was kind of going there. Like, I think he might be, I think he is like the five in those. Uh, I think you could really make it like a Siakam Gallo, OG, Freddie, and then like take your pick of Scotty or Gary line of work like pretty well. That's a yeah. lot of spacing and that's enough defense on the rest of the floor to really make up for his his, his deficiencies on that end. So okay. I don't know. I I, yeah, I think absolutely like he's not the guy who's going to guard traditional fives like OG would do that or Siakam, I think, in those lineups. But you're you're amalgamating a five just like they've been doing all season and like you said, he helps a lot with the spacing. It's just that he's old and that he's making a ton of money and that you are taking on some risk if you take on that contract because there's a chance he doesn't fit with Nurse's system. There's a chance he can't rotate nearly quick enough for what Nurse has. And then he's just another Goran Dragic where he's sitting on the sidelines next season waiting for a trade. So there's some risk there, but it's not too bad. I don't think the risk. I also think that it's not even a risk that he can't rotate. It's like it's a certainty that he can't <laughs> be realistic here. It's not anybody healed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to talk about some of the big trades that have happened in the NBA, and we're gonna just react to these trades, what we think of them, and also say react to how it affects the Raptors going into Thursday's deadline. So the first big one, well, other than the Norman Powell trade, which we talked about on the show, a and b just. I don't think sets the market because it was such a ridiculously lopsided trade that like it's really hard to gleam anything from it. This one to me was the first real trade that we're going to talk about. And it's Kara Slavert for basically two bad first round picks is is the way I would say, because they're giving a second, they're receiving a second. Those cancel each other out. So, you know, Cleveland is giving Indiana their first round pick. This season, lottery protected, should be fine. And then Houston's second round pick, which is going to be like 32-33. So basically two bad first round picks, more or less for Karis LeVert. What did you guys think about this trade? And what did you think about the kind of market it set for a player like Karis LeVert? And I'll go to you first, Kyle. Yeah, Aiden and I are going to disagree pretty seriously here. I, I kind of hated this for the Cavs. I get that, like he's an improvement on the team now, but you're giving up a pick that's likely in the, the, you know, early to mid twenties and a pick in the thirties for a player in Karis LeVert that can't shoot very well is constantly injured, has like 
injury problems beyond like the normal level of injury problems. Like he has like organ issues, which is like that's the type of stuff that you don't mess around with. <laughs> on top of that, um, don't bring his organs into this. Yeah, man. come on, that's a low point, man. No, I'm just saying that's a kidney shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I don't think he's one of the. I don't think he's part of Cleveland's best starting five. And in general. If you're Cleveland, what's the rush? Your three best players are all under 25. You're not you're not going anywhere like deep this year, you know, with Karis Levert or without Karis Levert. He doesn't really move the needle for me. So, I don't but know, to I that, don't... I would say the Raptors are in a similar position, and yeah, we exactly. all want them to buy. You know what I mean? Like we're also a young team that's not getting a championship this year. Well, we're much older than them, though. Yeah, I mean, like. We might be by like the whatever average age metric, but like our core, Fred's in his late twenties, Siakam's in his late twenties, like those guys. I'm with Cleveland, like their two best players are Garland and Mobley, who are in their early twenties. So, like, I, I just, I, what's the rush? Garland's probably better right? than Mobley right now, but that's an aside. Let me see how old Jared Allen is. I think he's, he's twenty-two. 20, yeah, 23. he's three. Like, wow, 23. he's under twenty-five. So that's what I mean. Their three best players are all under twenty-five. And they're, yeah, they're I, making a move for Levert, who is, I believe, in his late twenties. Yeah, twenty-seven. 27. Not a good three-point shooter. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just, I, uh, I'm really relieved the Raptors avoided this. I was anti-Levert to Raptors anyway, so I'm, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I understand where it's coming from. It's like you can only collect so many picks. I think Cleveland's got a lot of young guys that they can. They're trying to like hone and I don't it'll be interesting to see what they do with Sexton as well now um but I think they want to make a push and like I think the the logic checks out the same way Toronto's logic is is that like the east is pretty topsy-turvy right now and that could all like that could all um calcify in a moment's notice right so you just kind of have to take advantage of your opportunities when you can Cleveland has been so shit for so long that I I understand why the why Gilbert would push this more quickly than like the most patient ownership, um, and if Levert changes the way he plays, which I think when you go into a winning team that can sometimes happen, um, it could be it could turn out to be a really good addition. Yeah, you uh, you sound like uh, part of the Ringer squad mentioning owners and GMs here just by a first name basis. Um, I think. This is one of the trades, and this is a common theme for actually me with this trade deadline. Like, people love to freak out on Twitter. I think a lot of these trades have been kind of good for both sides, and I, I think that's the case with this one. Like, Cleveland was desperate to get another ball handler with all their injuries, and I think Lavert's fit there is about as good as it is anywhere in the league. And I think you know they have an abundance of pick that this Houston pick was obviously an additional one. So they overpaid a little bit to get a player who they like and who's going to help them right away, still relatively young. But I do think the Sexton thing is interesting. Are they going to re-sign Sexton and keep Levert? That doesn't make sense to me. So maybe this would make more sense to me if they move off of Sexton before the deadline. But in general, I think this is kind of a win-win. I think it makes Cleveland better. And I don't think they gave anything crazy to two bad first-round picks. You know who Um, the real loser is in all this? Houston just like this just makes that that Oladipo Levert swap like really stupid yeah exactly and they didn't want in on Jared Allen I want to ask like or 
right. you know, this, while we're on the topic, might as well talk about Miles Turner in Indiana. Does like Sabonis is uh, out of there if we want to like bring up that trade? So dumb yeah, let's, say, go yeah. This, let's go to this Sabonis bring... trade and then. Okay, let me bring want... it up. Where do you so, want to do CJ first? No, we should That's do okay. We can do Sabonis. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the question would be does this affect like Indiana essentially blowing this up? Does that affect how they're going to deal with Miles Turner going forward? Are they going to be looking to move Miles Turner because they're blowing the, the team up? They're initiating a rebuild or are they clearing out the front court? So Miles Turner is the guy there like he wanted to be and like, you know, the reason he wanted to be traded in the first place. Well, Woj did have a tweet and you have to take these things. Yeah. He's not- a PR. Yeah, like not entirely uh, true, but he did have a tweet that Miles Turner is happy to to stay there and to have a bigger role now that Sabonis is gone. I definitely think this reduces the chance that Turner is dealt. Obviously, if someone comes with a Godfather offer, they're going to still trade Miles Turner because they're not trying to win right now. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely don't think they're any. They're not desperate to trade Miles Turner like they maybe were before this trade, and I think that has significant ramifications for the a Raptors point of view because I think there was a world where the, the Pacers were desperate to get off of one of these two centers, and then they dealt Turner for like a meh package of Flynn, a first round pick, and an expiring. That I really don't think is happening anymore. Um. So yeah, let. I mean, we can react to that. So. Aiden, what do you think about the Miles Turner thing? You think he's staying or you think he's going? Well, that, that was my reaction when I saw the trade was like, oh, this, this, this F. Well, my first reaction was like, okay, t- Turner is going to go. And then, um, there, and then, and then I followed that thought up with like, oh, wait a second, this opens everything up for Turner to do what he wants to do. Turner's only 25, he turns 26 at the end of March. So he's actually still in the same kind of window that Duarte and um, Howley w- would be in. So, and I think Broad is 27, Heald's 27, 28. So it's like, there's, it's not like you have a bunch of 30 year olds where you need to just tear this down and get as much back as you can. Like there, there's no reason to, to test this out. Like some of the um, viewers have said, like he, he's injured. So his value is probably lower. So it makes sense to wait in the off season his value was really low last offseason. So I think it's like, why not wait till he comes back and, and see how it all looks? Um, he's a pretty ideal center when he's the only big on the floor because he is big. He can block shots and he can shoot the three. He's not the best big, but like for what he's getting paid, I think he becomes more valuable to Indiana than he was before. Yeah, I think they're going to at least try it out and see with what they have in Turner. Before we react to the other side of this deal and what it means for the Raptors with uh, the the Kings trading for a center, we will get to that. But uh, Kyle, what what are your thoughts on this trade? Because regardless of the Raptors' perspective, this is just a really interesting trade. It's not Jeremy Lamb twice. It's actually, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Holiday, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. And Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson, which is salary filler. What do you think about this trade? Who won? My uh, who won? The Pacers. Pacers won by like a, a huge margin. I think Halliburton is like last game Halliburton played. He's been injured. The last game he played, they the Kings won, and he had 17 assists. 
he was what well, with Fox out. So this is essentially the Kings making a decision between Fox and Halliburton. With Fox out, I don't know the exact stats, but Halliburton was like absolutely eating. He was having the best stretch of his career without De'Aaron Fox. Uh, it's just another embarrassing move by the Kings organization. I actually think uh, for the Pacers, I will float this idea. They're setting up a roster with a lot of spacing, a lot of nice switchable players, a lot of secondary ball handlers, almost as if it's like the perfect fit for, I don't know, let's say hypothetically, what if there was like a point forward on the market who was incredible defensively, can't shoot at all, is mocked in the press about not being able to shoot, wants out of – his situation, I don't know, like a Ben Simmons type player. Uh, I think this is the Ben Simmons Ooh. team. And I think they've set up a, a roster that's going to suit Ben Simmons so well. Think about the shooting, the space on the floor, the like the team defense that this these guys could play. I actually am I'm kind of in on it. Like I'm You're talking about down. the Pacers, right? So it's the a Pacers, Halley. Yeah. Is that a Halley and Brogdon for Simmons? Is that what we're talking about here? I think it would probably be some combination of like Brogdon plus Field. a whole bunch of picks to a third team. Like Brogdon to Philadelphia, a whole bunch of picks to a third team, another piece going to Philly. I can't imagine. I think Halliburton is more valuable than Simmons straight up. I mean, that might be a hot take. That's such an M- NBA hipster thing. To... He's good. He's a good. He's really good. Um. But in general, I, I do think Indiana is setting himself up for a Ben Simmons push here. And I don't, I'm not sure they'd want to give up Halliburton in that deal. But who knows? Oren's left us. Aiden, oh, we lost like, Oren. I didn't even notice. Um, yeah, this is this is a win for Sacramento, right? Has to or for Indiana it has to be, right? Yeah, it is. I think I I like Fox a lot. I'm a pretty big fan. I think he I think he's suffered, and I think part of that is Sacramento is like a hellhole that sucks your soul dry and that you never want to play basketball again. Um, I happen to have Fox and Saboner in my dynasty, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how they work together. I don't know how well. It's almost like Halliburton would have been the better pairing with Sabonis. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Tristan and Heald. Like, that those would be guys that I could see them flipping for like uh, younger dudes. Um, I like Sabonis as a player. If Vladi D- is Vladi Divot still there? Yeah. No. No. I don't think, I think he, is. he is. I think he's still their GM. I, I'm not sure. I know. Did, did he step aside to the like, Joe Dumars? Step aside. I think after the whole Luca draft, he was done. No, he is. It's okay. No, That's okay, guys. We don't talk anyway, about uh, Vladi Divac. We don't is care. A, well, Vladi Divac is a great tutor for Doma Sabonis, like he's True, his yeah. predecessor, really. So, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I didn't even take that in. I think, and and yeah, so that would explain why Vladi's got a hard on for Sabonis, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Sabonis is a great player. I, I really do. I just don't know that the Kings is the right the right spot for him. Like, there's no real spacing. Barnes doesn't. Barnes is as a four and Sabonis is a five makes sense, but you have Holmes, you have Bagley, um, you have like Mitchell, like it, this, it just none of this, the roster composition does not work with Sabonis suddenly landing there. Yeah, I I think this trade is a lot more even than a lot of people are making it out to be. And that's because like you, Aiden, I really like Fox. 
Um, and I think Sabonis is really good. Most of the time when you judge a trade, you say who's the best player. And, and I think we'd all agree that um, the, the Kings got the best player. Sabonis is better than Tyrese right now, but Tyrese is 21 years old. And so to bet on, I understand why people are so high on him. And, and it, like his trajectory in this league has, since he entered it, he's, he was really good from the start. He's just gotten better. And I totally understand the the kind of consensus being that the Kings got fleeced here. And I do think that the Kings are a terribly run organization, so this isn't going to work out well for them. But at the same time, just as a value play, I don't think it's the worst trade in the world that everyone's making it out to be. Like, so they got the best player in the deal. Sabonis, I think, with a team built around him, could be really, really good. Um, but at the same time... Yeah, like Halliburton and Buddy Heald, considering their age and contracts, I, I would agree that the that the Pacers won this one. I, I'd say the real mistake on the part of the Kings is drafting Fox, following that up by drafting Halliburton, and then following that up by drafting Davion Mitchell this year. It's yeah. just like the Davion Mitchell pick never made sense to me. You're 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 overloading your team at a specific spot that like isn't even the meta of the league right now. I don't get like, it's one thing when it's the Raptors where it's like, you're getting a bunch of wings and tweeners. Like that's fine. You can't get, you cannot play like those three guards at the same time. Even if Davion Mitchell, like I don't care how hard he tries. He's, he can't guard a three. So I don't know. But okay, we let should me get, talk about. Yeah. Let me the, get to the other side of this, which I think you were getting at, which is that the Kings traded uh, for a center. And they already have Rashawn Holmes on their roster. And yes, they dumped Tristan Thompson, but that was salary filler. Nobody cares. They also have Marvin Bagley on their roster. You know, Sabonis just got traded from a place where they were done trying to play him alongside another center. Exactly. So, you know, the Kings are dumb. Maybe they just think that it can work together. But this feels very much to me like Rashawn Holmes could be on the move by Thursday. And... And given that it's the Kings, I mean, what do you guys think about, you know, from a Raptors perspective, Rashawn Holmes, what do you think it would take to get him from the Kings now? Yeah, the, the problem is that the asset the Raptors are trying to move most is the asset, like this plays the exact same position that the Kings, like were just forced into trading away because they were overloaded that position. That's Goran Dragic at the guard spot. So I mean, most of the trades the Raptors have been floated have been like Goran Dragic plus a first round pick. But the Kings. What about have... Boucher? Would they want Boucher? I don't. I mean, I guess they must be trying to make a push, right? So it would maybe... make sense with Boner for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that, yeah, that pairing definitely makes sense. But I would say that Rashawn Holmes is definitely the odd man out. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Um, I don't think Rashawn and, and, uh, Sabonis can coexist at all. I don't think Rashawn Holmes is being paid that much to be a bench player, and I also don't think he's interested. Like he, he barely wanted to be in Sacramento in the first place. He, he had a whole free agency run. Basically, didn't get the offer he wanted. He was looking for and and bowed out. I'm sure he'd be happy to get out of town. He probably has already spoken to his agent about it. If I had to guess. But on that note, like he could have gone to Toronto. I guess he wanted to get cash, or did Toronto was Toronto not willing to? pay him enough because it seems like if Toronto really wanted homes, they could have grabbed him. So it's like, was that because they were banking on precious being a little bit 
more along than he is, or do they just actually not have interest in homes? Yeah. So go go ahead. I was just gonna say I think they just valued Precious as an asset more than they valued homes. I think they were just really in love with Precious. I agree, and it's not just Precious; it's also Goron. Like, even though this has worked out about as bad as it could have for the Raptors, they still have this expiring, and it seems like there's value for it. So, I think the combination of Precious and Goron, they valued more than spending in free agency. Um, I don't think that means that they are out on Rashawn Holmes. And not to name drop, but we talked to Bobby Webster today. He said two important things. One was that they are not all in on this wing lineup. They're definitely they wanted to give it a look, but they're not out on centers. He basically said like, and two, I asked him, how willing are you to take on money beyond this, this season? Because that's something they've been shy to do uh, in years past. And lo- we're looking at Rashawn's Rashawn Holmes contract. And I think a lot of fans are probably worrying, like would the Raptors really want to take on four years, right? It's, it's reasonable, but it is four years. But Bobby said that like, his words were that's exactly the type of contract we're looking to get get off Goron's for is a multi-year deal where you are basically taking on money and therefore not giving up the same kind of assets. And that's why like, I genuinely feel like given everything that's happened today, and I, this would not have been my opinion prior to today, but given everything that happened, Rashawn Holmes is probably like my number one most realistic target for the Raptors. Yeah, I think I'm with that. If you want to bring up the Raptors uh, salary cap table on spot track right now, I, I um, like the total table for the team. Okay. I just want to point out, like, people are worried about taking on long, taking on money for the Raptors. As long as Siakam and Fred are, are around, there's like, those are two max slots that are 100% filled. It would take so much maneuvering to even open up any space for someone in free agency beyond like the MLE, the mid-level exception. They shouldn't be concerned, and they aren't. They remain unconcerned about uh, cap room going forward because, like, they're basically as when you have two max players on the roster and OG's, you know, mid-teen salary and Gary's mid-teen salary, etc. You're capped out for the next little bit. Like, they're they're capped with this core, and that's not that. That's not a bad thing. This core is potential, but who cares about uh, Rashawn Holmes or four years or? if they want to take on Miles Turner or if they want to move Goron to the Mavericks and take on Dwight Powell next year, that's not a concern for them. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I don't think Rashawn Holmes price is going to be more than Chris Boucher and a lottery protected first round pick or Goron and a lottery protected first round pick. And I would do either of those deals like straight up uh, because I also think there's a world in which, Rashawn doesn't necessarily fit the Raptors long-term, but his contract is even more valuable after a year or two on this team because two years of Rashawn at like, at like 20 or at like 10 mil a year after the Raptors maybe build him up a little bit, build up the value. So it's not like there's a ton of risk involved here, even though it's four years, you can always flip a guy like this. Uh, yeah, so Aiden, I was saying, like, do you think do you think Rashawn is like one of the most likely Raptors targets, considering everything that's happened? I'm just not sure. I was just trying to look up the size. Does anybody know what 2.08 meters is? <laughs> that's like six ten ish. Yeah, he's like six ten, six eleven. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sold on. 
the first of all, the problem is, is even though we get rid of we get rid of Boucher, which is the one big. I'm assuming you're trading Boucher. Is that what you're doing? Probably. So yeah, he's the yeah. one big that actually plays small. It's like now we have Holmes and Birch, who are basically Birch is like a, a stunted Holmes, and then we have Precious. You know, like it just it doesn't really work on like on our roster um, unless there's other moves. So like. I dig him, but um, I just don't know that he moves the meter like we want to. But for ten mil a year, fuck it. Like I, you can't really complain with that. Like that's a really good value. Yeah, I yeah, think he I, would move the needle. I, I just think his push shot is really valuable. I think he can defend in different schemes. He's not only a drop guy; he can play some different coverages. And as a rim runner, he would just really as a screen setter and a rim runner, you know, like in a playoff situation, if he's taking the precious slash chem minutes, I think they're a markedly better team. So that's kind of what I, it is. For I, me. That's true. I do agree with that. It's just but yeah, losing. Boucher have, would hurt. Yeah. But then we have like Birch coming off the bench and it's like, not, I just feel like that really Boucher and Birch give us a lot of dynamism in our roster lineups like we can deploy certain kind of groups at certain I think, times. I and think I, an ideal trade then might be like Birch in a first round pick. Yeah. If I'm getting rid of, if I'm just upgrading Birch, I am all in on that hundred thousand percent. Let's do that. What I'd about Yuda um, too, I think. But yeah, I was gonna say first of all, I don't sure if that would work. Um we in general though, like we're not that we got to keep in mind the Raptors aren't the only team that are going to be pursuing homes, right? I'm sure they're getting calls about homes from like 20 teams right Charlotte, now, for sure. Yeah, I mean, even like Golden State, etc. Like, there are plenty of teams that can use a rotation big for like who's on a decent salary and who's really good. He like Holmes is a is one of the better bigs in the league, and like I'm not afraid to say that. So I don't, I'm not sure if Birch gets it done. I don't even think. But I as don't we think saw. The Kings did not let the league know that Tyrese Halliburton was uh, available. Yeah. So it's no. like, what are the and Kings doing? Are they I don't really feel targeting like, this this leverage battle? Like, probably not. It doesn't feel like any of these trades. It feels like the GMs were too ashamed to go to other GMs to let them know that this was a potential trade. Because it doesn't feel like any GMs shopped around to the other 29 teams being like, no. yo, we're trading Norm Powell. Like, yeah. you guys interested? It's just like, yeah. It didn't seem like they leveraged these trades to the best of their ability. But either either that or like the public, there's a massive disconnect between like what the public evaluates players as and what the league is evaluating players. Because this is like three consecutive trades where people were like completely shocked at the valuations. And I get that they're from organizations that have histories of like doing some weird <laughs> shit, but I don't know. Maybe we're just out of the loop. Maybe we we know less than yeah. everyone else. Well, that's a good segue into the next trade, which is the CJ McCollum trade. And I mean, I'll just say again, to me, this was deemed a lopsided trade on Twitter. But I again think both teams did pretty well here, especially considering the like Larry Nance edition, which people didn't really realize until 10 minutes after the details were out. So uh, Aiden, what did you think about this trade? Who won? I'll just say Blazers get Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil. Uh, Didi Lu Zada, who I do not know. I'll be Lu quite Zada. frank here. Uh, okay, they get they get the Pelicans pick this year, five to fifteen protected. So probably a good pick. 
two second round picks, and the Pelicans get CJ Nance and Snell's expiring. What do you? Who won this one? Kyle, name the country Dido Luzada is from. So, okay, my working theory is Italian last name from Argentina. He's Brazilian. Oh, oh, uh, oh that makes sense. I, I could see that. That um, so. I'm, I'm going to answer what I think about this trade, which is that I think the Pelicans are like, I'm, I'm interested to, I'm interested if this means that Zion's returning because it's kind of, this is obviously like a win now move. They're starting to turn it around a little bit um, in terms of like winning without Zion. So, so maybe that's part of this and they're just, the ownership wants to see some more W's. I think the Blazers fucked up here by putting Larry Nance also in the trade. I think it seemed to me that CJ McCollum's contract was quite large and might have been harder to trade than we think. Although, And so, especially for young guys and not taking back a bigger contract that's longer term, vis-a-vis like a Tobias Harris or something. So in that sense, I get that McCollum was of less value. I'm still surprised that Nance in and of himself couldn't have gotten like something on its own of a little bit more value. Um, but I'm with you, Orin. I think like if the Pelicans want to do this and they want to bring on CJ McCollum, obviously they do. It's like maybe not what I would be doing, but because they want to, I think it's a pretty balanced trade. Yeah. My thing is like the Blazers have two times now that have included Covington and um, Nance, who are like these versatile, like wing tweener type players that everyone in the league wants. They're just throwing them into trades as salary yeah. filler. Like, what are you guys doing? These are these are players that should warrant like protected first round picks on their own to teams that you can get. So, like, I just don't understand what they're doing. Uh, even without Nance, though, is was this CJ's market? I don't think he's like. I get that it's a big salary, but they're again. Again, plenty of teams that are essentially capped out anyway for the entirety of his contract, stuck in like agreements with other players. Maybe I'm higher on CJ because he's like sort of press friendly and he's a nice guy and he has a podcast, etc. But like, I, I I think he's a good player. I think he's going to do really well in New Orleans, and I think he fits well with Zion. I, I kind of love this for the Pelicans. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Aaron. Well, I the reason I like this or I don't mind it at least for the Blazers is because I thought like everyone thought that they should trade CJ in the offseason, right? They trade for norm. It didn't work. You have to adjust. You have to get a wing in there. So I thought trading CJ was an obvious answer. Try to see what the norm uh, Dame backcourt looks like with a wing in CJ's place. Instead, they kept him and then it worked just about as bad as anyone could have hoped. And then he had this heart issue, right? No, he punctured a lung. lung. Right, a collapsed yeah. lung. So another organ issue. But like, <laughs> but like to me, that was like, oh God, they they messed up. CJ's trade value really has taken a, a fall since when they should have dealt him in the offseason. And then this trade kind of shows that that's not necessarily true because, okay, Larry Nance went for a protected first round pick a year ago. So if you say that he's going for the same thing this year, then you're getting Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander, and two second-round picks for CJ. I think that's about what I like. Josh Hart's a good player. Nikhil's a really good flyer. Two second-round picks for CJ. That sounds right to me. So I don't, I don't really dislike it from yeah. But you have a raging boner for Nikhil Walker. I have a boner for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm just saying it might inflate how you feel about this trade. But yeah. but yeah, I also like enough. Josh Hart quite a bit though. Yeah. I do think this the trade itself is whatever, but you highlighted the bigger problem here, which is that Portland didn't recognize that they needed to adapt more quickly. And their real mistakes were bringing on Covington. I think that was like kind of the transition moment. It's like you needed to bring on, bring in a versatile three. They brought a, they brought in a, a slow four. Nance was redundant. They didn't play Nance the way he they should have with with pairing him by Nurkic. Just doesn't make sense. And so it's just like it's poor management. Like I think they've kind of they blew uh, a window that they had when, like you said, McCollum was at optimal value, and they really could have made this team more dynamic around Dame. So it's a shame. Yeah, Kyle, any last thoughts on the CJ trade before we move on? So I guess the the combination of those two moves has freed up per Woj a ton of cap space for the Blazers. They're now interested in Jeremy Grant, which I don't really understand. You free up, like, why would you not just move Powell for Grant instead of, like, I don't know what assets they even have for Grant left. So uh, they're kind of lost. Um, but while we're on Grant, maybe we should move back to the East and we talk about Bradley Beal. Or if you want to bring up the, yeah. um, the, the, the news, I take it, yeah, season-ending surgery on his left wrist. What does this mean for Washington, Aiden? Well, they're obviously shutting down. I think everybody's tradable except for like Hachimura, Avdi, and and Kuzma. I, I think everybody else is. And the thing is, is that if her, I I what's what's the uh, backup center's name? Uh, for who? No, Thomas who was Bryant. Cool. No, who no, was Thomas formerly of the Bullets? Or, I mean, the Bulls. Gafford. Okay. Yeah, Gafford. Yeah. I thought. People were. I thought he would be a nice Raptor acquisition, and I he thought would. Washington wouldn't do it because they're competing or again like the Hawks. He can't are. get traded. Oh, he can't. No. Okay. Yeah. Think- um. So never mind. But I do think. I mean, th- this basically makes Washington a seller, and really, it's smart because there aren't that many sellers this trade deadline, and they have a lot of veteran pieces that could help teams. Not not named Montrez Harrell. So I think. Um, I think it's advantageous for this to happen to Beal. It's it's unfortunate. I friggin' love Beal, but um, it's it's all it's going to make for a spicier deadline. That's for sure. Yeah. So out of, out of the players on Washington that are eligible to be traded, because yeah, Gafford, I think he either signed an extension or because he got traded for some reason. I think he's either poison pilled or he just can't get traded before the deadline. I'm pretty sure he can't until the off season. But out of the guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. KCP, Kyle Kuzma, if he's available, probably a little more expensive. Uh, or or Thomas Bryant, is there or or Montrez Harrell? Even if you're a Montrez guy, I'm not sure any of you are. Um, who who Kyle do, would you like to see the Raptors go out after from from Washington? Um, yeah, I, I kind of like Kuzma. I'm not sure what the price would be, but I think he fits the Kuzma. mold of like a Raptors player. I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what it would take, but I'm I'm on board with Kuzma. I like him as just like a guy too. He seems like an interesting character, and he seems like the type of guy who would fit in well uh, in Toronto. I mean, he's like it's a young city. I think he actually still has some. I know he's a little bit older. I think he still has potential to improve, and uh, he's under contract for next three years. So I'm I'm all in on. He makes 13 mil, so it'd have to be like 
Drogic, I, you know, maybe plus, I'm not sure what the Wizards cap situation is, but like it would have to be, I guess, Kuzma plus another asset to, to absorb Drogic, maybe a first round pick. I'm not sure, but I'm on board with Kuzma. Aiden, between uh, Kyle Kuzma and Gary Trent Jr., if they were both Raptors, who would be the most outrageous uh, dressed person? Well, Trent Jr. would be the sexiest. Kuzma would probably the, be the most outrageous. Um, I kind of I thought about KCP and and Howell Neto as a little package just to build out our roster, but I don't think we would need a third team because, like you said, Kyle Kuzma's thirteen mil. So is KCP. Um, Neto's only one point seven. So it's like that's that actually highlights an issue that Toronto has. Which a lot, some teams do face, and which is why signing these these, these mid tier contracts can be really important. Is we have a lot of really low end contracts and a lot of and one super high end, and then we have Boucher and Birch, and I don't think we we don't really want to trade Boucher and Birch. I, I don't know how many people want to take him, so we're a little bit um, uh, hamstringed that way as far as like making these kind of like mid level moves. Uh, to build out our depth. Yeah. Before we move on to a couple uh, listener questions and then get out of here, I want to circle back to Spencer Dinwiddie uh, because he's fascinating to me. I, at the beginning of the season, in the off season, I wanted the Raptors to go after him. At the beginning of the season, I, I said, I wish they had went after him, but then he's really like tailed off this season to the point where I'm not sure if I actually want the Raptors to give up anything. To, to take on his three-year contract because he is another injury liability guy who just hasn't been very good this season. Um, what about where are you guys at with Spencer Dinwiddie? Like, do you want a guy like that who has the ball in his hands and obviously is then taking it out of Fred and Pascal's hands, um, but at the same time can really initiate an offense when when and just give you another ball handler when the Raptors could use that? Is that someone you guys would, would want, Kyle? No. I think the same reason I don't want Dinwiddie is because I didn't want I didn't want Lavert either. And it's ironic that they played together in Brooklyn, like two guys that I'm just not in on at all. I, I'm really out on Dinwiddie. Um again, ball dominant, needs the ball, not a good shooter, not an excellent defender. I mean, he's like solid defensively, but not an excellent defender, not tremendously athletic not tremendously fun beyond basketball. So like there's almost nothing appealing about Dinwiddie to me. He, not an NFT guy. Kyle Brickman, not he, an NFT yeah, guy. Yeah, you're not into the crypto contracts? Well, he also did, like, he had, when players in the bubble, like, putting social justice me- messages on the back of his jersey, he did, like, some, like, national debt thing, which is, like, why is that even a concern of yours? Like, if we don't have to get into that, but it's just weird. Like, it was, why, why? Like, this isn't even the time. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. When okay. people say, like, but but the province is so in debt or the country's so in debt, I just say, you must be a really boring person to have drinks with. Like, I am not interested in having this conversation with you. Voting. So that's, that's an aside. Voting for people who you think are going to balance the budget is, to me, the dumbest motivation ever. It's just like, <laughs> the budget's never going to be balanced. We're always going to be in debt. Move on. Okay, sorry. Beyond but- that, like, on the back of the jersey, too, last name, national debt. Like, come on. That's but your passion. Dinwiddie <laughs> is exactly the prototype. I disagree with Kyle. He's exactly the prototype the Raptors need coming off the bench. He's a big combo guard 
who can bring the ball up. He can pair with Freddie. He can pair with Gary. And he can create his own shot, which is like we have literally none of that off of our bench. The problem is you go down uh, in the last 10 games, one for five, three for 11, one for 12, two for 10, three for 10, four for 16. Oh, my God. Two for nine, one for five, two for six. He's playing like total fucking garbage. But this is what I was so, going to say when you said he's the perfect guy off the bench. He he does have a lot of qualities that are good, but the shooting is is not good. No, you would be not. adding another non-shooter. It has been though, and so it's like I'm not I'm not saying we trade for him. I'm just saying like in the abstract, he fits the mold in which we want. Um, three games ago, he he was four for sixteen. But he had 14 points, 10 assists, and 12 rebounds. So it's like he can be the guy that that provides those 15 minutes where we need to get the rest. And you can rely on him. He's proven in big moments that he can shine. The question is, is does he have any of that juice left? And I don't know. Yeah. So me and Samson Folk, our friend from Raptors Republic, we talked about Dinwiddie early in the season and just said, as a guy who can initiate an offense, offense get past his man touch the paint pass it out like he's he's a nice player and he would help the raptors but i don't know where samson's at at least me the more i've seen fred do that this season right compared to the beginning of the season like fred is a different player so the more i've seen fred do that the less that need has become a need for the raptors right fred has filled such a big void being able to initiate an offense in a way he just wasn't earlier in the season. So given the contract, the length of it, the money of it, I'm just not sure that Dinwiddie is a guy that the Raptors would go after. What would you guys give me your mustache and beard for? Uh, Two second round picks, or would you guys give it up for like a lottery protected first? Who can I out? Who can I get for less? I would give my beard up for a free slice of pizza. Damn, it grows back quick, eh? Oh yeah, it's like three days. I'm back in business. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine is not only my facial hair is not only very young, but also it's like it does not grow back quickly, so it's pretty high value. I got to say, like this is we're talking like multiple years of picks and swaps. Like we're gonna have to like really talk Damn. about. It. So I don't know. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, I yeah, can grow my own beard. Thank you very much. I'll have you know. Um, let's do a couple and then get get. GTFO. Yeah, so okay, here's a question from the audience. Did you guys watch the presser? Do you have any thoughts on it? No. Tell us, give us the oh. cold notes. Um he didn't answer a lot of questions like like in detail, you know. He didn't really give away anything. But like I said, he said they're not opposed to getting a center, like they're open to different ways of building a team. He said that they're open to taking on long-term money. He said that ownership or COVID hasn't affected revenues or ownership, I guess, to the point where it's changed their deadline approach at all. He said it's just as if any normal because they have rich owners. So that's not going to affect them. What else did he say? He, he said that it won't likely be a big move because of how well the group is playing. They don't want to shake anything up too much. They want to add to it, but he does not. It doesn't sound like it's a huge move coming for the Raptors. Did, did you did he? I missed that part. Did he mention anything about the tax? Like, are they trying to stay below it? I guess they wouldn't say Actually, that. no one asked. That's a really good question that should have been asked. But I think it's safe to assume they want to stay under the tax. That's a juicy amount of money. 
my uh, yeah. my interpretation of the conf- press conference was like our core seven guys are staying here. Nothing's going to be shaken up. But you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Like if no GM goes out and says like everyone's gone. They're all gone. We're trading everyone. We're looking to offload everyone right now. Like no one, even when they want to do that, they don't say anything. So keep that in mind. Yeah, I think the starting five for sure is is staying put. I would not be shocked to like. He was asked about Boucher and Precious, and he said nice things about both of those players, but he didn't make it sound like they were absolutely surely going to stay. Whereas the starting five, he, I think, was a little bit more indicating that, yeah, those five, it doesn't look like we're going to break that up right now. So there were two questions here that kind of, one was asking about Tristan Thompson being bought out, and and I, I categorize him as a large old school center. Big and large. And, and, prob- big, and problematic. Large. And problematic. Um, and unfaithful. <laughs> and apparently a locker room pr- presence trouble at times. So so take all that with a grain of salt. But I looked at Robin Lopez. He's another one of those contracts where the Raptors don't really, can't really acquire it in and of itself. It would have to be paired with something else. Just like, obviously, we're not going to trade. No, let's it. say they buy him out. Let's assume that. Oh, I see. Okay, I would love to have Rolo on this team. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of animosity between him and the Raptor that would have to get worked out, you know, behind the scenes. But I think it it could work out for both parties. Yeah, I I think I'm 100 percent in on like pursuing a guy like Rolo in the buyout market if the Raptors don't make a move for a center. Like, I that's probably the right call. But I'm not down to give up any assets for Tris- a Tristan Thompson and a Rolo. Like people, if the thinking is like, well, he'll only play in a series against Embiid or something. Raptors are good enough at double, like orchestrating double teams, etc. Like, I don't want Robin Lopez playing against Embiid. He's not an Embiid stopper anyway. He's just big and large. Have you guys seen his <laughs> well. shot? It is literally unstoppable. It, he'd be actually a good mentor for Scotty, I think. Yeah. Yeah, my thing with these guys that you're mentioning are I like I would like the Raptors to have a third big because they got killed in the in the games where Precious and Kem were both out early in the season and they just didn't have anyone who could rebound and run to the rim. So I want them to have a cheap third big in a buyout situation. I would be open to either of those guys, but neither of them is playing, in my opinion, over what we have right now, unless there was injuries. Like I think Precious Boucher, Kem, take your pick, are playing above Lopez and and a guy like Tristan Thompson in the Raptor system, especially given like the chemistry they've built over over this time. Um, this is a great question. We're not going to address this now, but I think um, worth address worth bringing it up because we got we're going to head out here, but worth bringing up either um, tomorrow night or Thursday when we do our trade deadline live trade deadline show because this is like a good little good little thesis a good vessel for discussion but like i said we gotta head out yeah so uh once again as i said at the beginning in case anyone missed it we did a big raptors preview show two hour show about all the trades we want to see them make all the possibilities i'm dropping the link in the in the comments right now uh head over to raptors republic youtube and subscribe and like this video to keep up to date with us because we go live after every raptors game and we also do these shows once in a while these specials and we're gonna do another special like kyle alluded to at 2 p.m on trade deadline day i'm gonna write that down 2 p.m feb 
10th. We are going to go live That's on Thursday. YouTube. Yeah, this That's Thursday. Thursday for you guys who can't count out there. I know there's a lot of Raptors Republic viewers who can't count. I don't do dates. No. Yeah, so so we're gonna we're gonna react to all the live trades that happened in that last hour because that's usually when the when all the all the little trades happen and react to what the Raptors do or don't do. So tune in then. Uh, other than that, this uh, for for Kyle, for Aiden, for myself, Oren. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in at five p.m. on a Tuesday. We know everyone who watched this video is in fact unemployed or a blogger. And we've taken down your information. We put it in the spreadsheet already. We have and we love you. We have everything we know. You'll be, yeah. You'll welcome be, to uh, the club. Welcome to the club. Exactly. You'll be <laughs> receiving. You'll be receiving something in the mail. Won't won't say what. But thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And we'll be back tomorrow night. Actually, after the Raptors take on the OKC Thunder. Mm-hmm. All right. Good night.